0: i want I, I want to wrap up this series with a really I, I want to cover a lot in a little bit of time and if, if you 've not been with us that's okay uh, well our, our goal has been that we would follow the Holy Spirit through the book of Acts and, and I know Here's the thing. We don't talk about the Holy Spirit a lot. The Holy Spirit actually doesn't like us talking about him a lot. And what I mean by that is the Holy Spirit's entire goal, his entire mission, is that we would know more about Jesus. And so when you, when you talk about the Holy Spirit, it's a bit of an interesting uh, uh, situation because the Holy Spirit would rather you be talking about Jesus. And, 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 and But we wanted to talk about the Holy Spirit for a very important reason. And that is that in Acts chapter 1... Jesus says something really important to his disciples. He says, before you go on this mission that I've sent you on to go reach the world, I want you to do one thing. I want you to wait. And I want you to wait until the Holy Spirit shows up. And he actually says this, the one I told you about before. And if you go back and look at what he talked about before in John 14 through 16, those few chapters there, you find out that what he actually says to his disciples is, it's to your benefit that I leave. Here's Jesus, Savior of the world, right, Son of God on the earth, hanging out, right? And he's saying it's better that I go so that the Holy Spirit will come. So how many of you understand if Jesus is saying that to you, like you should stay, you should wait. You don't go anywhere because the Holy Spirit needs to show up in your life before you go and do what you're called to do. And he's actually better for you than I am. It's actually better that he's in you than I'm standing next to you. How many of you know that means we should probably know about the Holy Spirit? Now here's the problem. The Holy Spirit has been like one of the most dividing topics in all of Christianity. We kind of pick and choose. Most people agree on who God is in the church. Most people agree on who Jesus is in the church. And then we have denominations. And you know what denominations are? For the most part... They are based upon what we believe about the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit didn't come to divide people. He came to unite people. The Holy Spirit actually shows up in the book of Acts, and he splits into what they call tongues of fire. And I know it's a bit of a, it's just a, it's just a picture, all right. And, and split into tongues of and, and what it says is it, it, it says he splits into tongues of fire, but they all begin to speak new languages. So here's here's my point. My point is that he didn't divide so that he would stay divided. He divided so that he might bring unity to a group of people who were about to go on a mission and in purpose. And Acts is actually the only book of the Bible that we're able to actually watch what happens in the life of someone who is impacted by the Holy Spirit. The rest of the teachings after the book of Acts are that. They are teachings on doctrine, on theology, on, 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 on Jesus and what his death and resurrection has done for us, on, on different things. But the, the actual action of living with the Holy Spirit is found in the book of Acts. So when we pay attention to the book of Acts, we begin to discover some really important things about our life in the Holy Spirit. Now, we've tried to say this, and we say this a lot. Uh, it, it, the Holy Spirit actually makes you more relevant to your culture, not less, the Holy Spirit should actually make you more relevant to the people you interact with. And relevant just means that it's actually a term that is born out of a, a legal term, which means it's pertinent to this case. Yeah. So the Holy Spirit should actually make you more pertinent to the life and the case that you is set before you in the lives of other people and the situations you walk into. The Holy Spirit is as pertinent as anything else to the situations you find yourself in. And so we we've been in this. Really, it's been, what, eight weeks or something like that, Shane? You've been paying attention, right? Like eight weeks. And, uh, and, and, and we spent a, a good amount of time. In fact, the last time we did a Holy Spirit series, we spent like 12 weeks. We're not doing that this time because i got some things I want to talk about um, starting in September. But we've been talking about the Holy Spirit. And, I, and I, 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 the, one of the reasons I do this, the reason I spend a lot of time when we do a series on the Holy Spirit, one of the reasons I do this I think is really important is that we limit the Holy Spirit. We choose one uh, characteristic of the Holy Spirit, or outworking of the Holy Spirit, or uh, um, uh, just it, it, one thing of the Holy Spirit, and we, we hone in on that, and we major on that. But the Holy Spirit does a lot of things. And when we only do one thing, it's like I, I'm a sports guy. It, it's like asking Michael Jordan just to be a jump shooter. That'd be stupid. Right? Like how many of you know if a coach at one point had looked at Michael Jordan and said, I don't want you to do anything else but shoot jump shots, he would have never been the greatest player to ever live. Right? There is more to the Holy Spirit than most of us give him credit for. He can shoot the jump shot. He can do the layup that looks like a layup and then move it the like he's going to dunk it and then he lays it up. I still don't know if I think that plays as amazing as everybody calls it, but it's still cool to midair to kind of be able to go like that and then move like, to be thinking. If I was about to dunk, I'd just be flipping out in my head, right? Like, like I've never been able to do that. I'd be so excited. Um, and uh, I still pull the goal down to seven foot so I can feel big. And uh, and and uh, and so like we, we we wouldn't see all the, the great defense. The, like we wouldn't see all of that if we limited Jordan to one thing. Yeah. And what our goal is in this is that we, we don't limit the Holy Spirit to one thing. He does a lot of things, he produces fruit, he gives gifts, right? He 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 comforts us, he counsels us, right? He brings freedom where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Come on, the Holy Spirit is here so that and he actually says that he reminds you of the truth that I've spoken. Jesus said he's gonna tell you everything I said. I mean, at the end of the day, the Holy Spirit does a lot. And we cannot limit him. We cannot put him lower than he should be. He is God just as much as Jesus the Son and God the Father. They work together to make sure that we are walking in the purpose God set for us. So we started this series at Acts chapter 1. I'm just going to go to Acts 1 real quickly, and then I'm going to go to Acts chapter 8. I don't remember which one I told you to turn to, so just roll with me. Acts 1 verse 8 says, "...but you will receive power." Some, say, some translations say ability, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth." From the very beginning, God had an intention with the Holy Spirit. from the very beginning when, when Jesus says to the disciples that the Holy Spirit's going to show up, and then you will receive power. Now remember, the power that he says is not just a power it 's an intentional power it 's a purposeful power, meaning it's power with a purpose, and so he says, "You'll receive power so that you will be my." witnesses so there is not just a hey I want to experience God no, no no I want to experience him so that I might express him to people right there's a very clear purpose for the Holy Spirit in our life and at the very beginning from the very start both in the Great Commission and in Acts chapter 1 verse 8 Jesus says to his disciples you're going into this city this city that city and then on to the ends of the earth Like, Jesus didn't ever look at his thing as a small thing. Like, Jesus never looked at his group of guys and said, well, we could probably hit to Samaria, but probably not the ends of the earth. We might be able to get to today, but I'm not sure about the rest of it. No, he looked at this group of people and said you know what here's what you're going to do you're going to wait on the Holy Spirit and when the Holy Spirit shows up who tells you about me and glorifies God when that happens you're going to be my witnesses both in Jerusalem in Judea in Samaria and to the ends of the earth from the very beginning God had a purpose that was increasing and growing and it was exponential and multiplying the church is an organism that is meant to grow now, here's the thing about this list, because when we read the list, we kind of go, well, that's, that's a nice list. Like, yeah, Jerusalem, yeah, that's cool. But when you understand, this was not like the top ten. This was not TripAdvisor's top ten places to go on vacation. That's not what this was. In fact, it was very much the different thing. Jerusalem was the place that Jesus was crucified. Judea was a place that had already rejected Christ. And Samaria was a place of people that no Jew ever wanted to go hang out with it's like, it's like, God didn't go, you can go to San Diego, New York City, right, and then if you want to, go hit up Sydney, like, those are some great places, if you want to do the Caribbean, and and serve the Lord, and just really be challenged, go hang out on the beach, and tell people Jesus loves you while you're sipping on a drink, and you don't have to tell me what you would be drinking, but you just, you, you just, just, you just go do your thing, no, he goes, I want you to go to the place where I was rejected, the place that you reject people, and I want you to, love people and that's why you need the Holy Spirit because you got to do some things you are not actually comfortable doing so here's the thing your calling if you're pursuing comfort just forget about your calling if you're pursuing comfort just forget about it because your calling is not wrapped up in a comfortable nice little bow your calling is wrapped up in a place that will make you uncomfortable that's why you are there you know, vision, when you, talk, when you read a book about leadership or vision, what you find out is vision is actually birthed out of pain and frustration. It's birthed out of a need. It, vision is never birthed out of an answer. You don't go, I need a white polo shirt. Well, they already have them, so I should make some. Right? I'm talking about Kyle's white polo shirt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Looks good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Looks good. Some ladies are screaming. Hopefully that's your fiancé. But, you know, so Why are your fiancé's over there? What's going on? Okay, so... Here's the thing, if I want a white polo shirt and there are none, then I will go make one. That's what vision is. That's what mission is. Are you understanding? Now here's the thing, it sounds good until I have to start actually finding out who the vendor is, what I'm gonna have to pay to get the equipment, what I'm gonna have to do to make sure the price point is good so I can actually make some money on it, how I'm gonna convince that person that they need my white polo shirt instead of the one they've already got. How vision is birthed out of a need or a pain or a frustration. And so when God calls you to something, he's not calling you to something that's already figured out. He's calling you to something that he wants you to figure out in the power and purpose of the Holy Spirit. So you've been given a power for a purpose. So it's the whole point, the whole idea that when we would get close to God, when we would know him and walk in him, we would actually be people who solve problems. We would go to a place that rejected Jesus and tell them that he still loves them. We would go to a place in Judea who said, no, get out of the city. We don't want you here. And say, you know what? He still loves you. And we'll go to a place that we don't even love and say, he loves you. I'm working on it. <laughs> I'm going to love you. I'm going to serve you. I'm going to do whatever it takes. The idea that we would be comfortable. Now, here's the thing. I understand that once you find your calling and walk in your calling and walk in what God's made you to do, maybe there's a different sense of purpose in it, but it never really truly gets comfortable Some of you guys are working in something you love to do, and you love to do it, but can I just ask by a raise of hands, if you love what you do, are you still challenged by what you do? That never goes away. It's when we run from challenge and we pursue comfort that we actually miss out on the very thing God might have called us to solve and called us to be an answer for and given us the Holy Spirit for. And so in Acts chapter 8, now we'll go to Acts chapter 8, and I'm going to try to cover a lot today, um, just for a, a few minutes. Acts chapter 8 says this, well, I didn't read it yet, I was going to read it earlier, but I didn't read it yet, so let me let me read it to you. Saul agreed with Paul, we start in verse 1 in Acts chapter 8. Saul agreed with Paul, putting him to death. Now that seems like... Um, uh, sorry, Saul agreed with Paul. That doesn't make sense. Saul agreed with putting him to death. Sorry, I just, you know, I believe the best about people. I was thinking about his best version and Saul was like, anyways. So Saul, this is at the end of Acts chapter seven, we see Stephen being martyred. And Saul, who's persecuting the church, is the one who says, yeah, go ahead and do that. Go ahead and kill him because of his faith. So that's Saul making this decision. Saul agreed with putting him to death. And on that day, A severe, everybody say severe, severe Severe persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. Not just like bad press, like kids being separated from moms and dads, people being put in prison, people being uh, uh, persecuted, uh, physically abused. Like it's it's not a good situation. They're trying to wipe this thing out. Severe persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout the land of Judea and Samaria. Where did Jesus say they were going to go? Judea and Samaria. Devout men buried Stephen and mourned deeply over him. Saul, however, was ravaging the church. He would enter house after house, drag off men and women, and put them in prison. So those who were scattered went on their way preaching which is simply meaning proclaiming and making known. Let's not get, Y'all don't have to preach. You just need to proclaim and make known. The message of the good news. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah to them. The crowds paid attention with one mind to what Philip said. As they heard and saw the signs he was performing, for unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. So... Oh, this is my favorite verse. So there was great joy in that city. Isn't that awesome? So here we have a group of people, right, who've just been given this power. The Holy Spirit's showing up. They begin to work in these people and they become a scattered people. They become a people so persecuted that they leave their homes. They leave everything they've known and they're scattered about. Where did they end up scattered to? The very place Jesus said they would go. Isn't it interesting sometimes that what we think is a struggle is actually just sending us to where God's called us to go. I'm not saying God only uses bad situations to make your life good. Like, understand, I'm not telling you God only likes to be mean. I'm just saying that God turns what the enemy intended for evil into good for those who love him and would live according to his purpose. There's something about this persecution that actually becomes part of their purpose. And what I love, there's this little phrase in here that says they went on their way, preaching the good news. I love that they didn't go, oh, well, we just got beat up for loving Jesus. I guess we should stop now. No, they went on their way. Some of you need to just get on your way. You've had a little tough season, and I'm not, I understand that. Understand this, that there might be a place in this. What can you do with your situation you're in that can turn it from a scattered thing to a sent thing? Can turn it from a persecution thing to a purpose thing? That you can actually see in your obstacle an opportunity. That actually now God has moved you using what the enemy was trying to do in your life, and now he has put you in a place where you, you look around all of a sudden and remember, wait, Jesus actually said, this is where I was supposed to go. I mean he could have done this differently like a limo like he could have been like way different we could have done a send-off you know send-off party like you know, I mean we could have done it differently but we were persecuted and we went and we went on our way proclaiming the good news of Jesus Some of us need to understand that sometimes when bad things happen God's just getting ready to turn it into a good thing I'm not saying you don't hurt. I'm not saying there's no pain. I'm not I'm not saying these people were walking along with a smile on their face. They just left family. They just left their home. They just left, but they did not allow that to make them people who walked away from purpose. They realized that in front of them there was still work that God could do in them and through them. And so even in your darkest moment, even in your most frustrating moment, God can use you to do something that you could not do on your own. And if you can get your spirit and your heart into a place of purpose and strength, and God is who he said he is, and in his name I will trust, and I will thank him in all things, and I will proclaim all his good works, then I will be a person who declares the good news of Jesus. And because of that, I will do exactly what I was called to do. So they went on their way preaching. I just, I feel like I would have went on on my way complaining. I would have went on my way frustrated. I would have went on my way yelling at God, like, we could have done this differently. I have a plan. Do you want to talk about it? You could probably go back in time, right? We could start this whole thing over. I would have, I would have figured out some reason to be upset, but these guys somehow, way, had decided, and I would guess that part of it is the fact that they're now walking in a new level of relationship with God because of the Holy Spirit in them. They'd watch Jesus crucified, die, then they watched him come back thinking, oh, he's going to just, man, he's going to take over, and then he says, I'm leaving. I'm sending the Holy Spirit to be my witness in you so that you can be my witness for them. And, oh, man, like, I think that plan's terrible. (laughs) Can't you just stay? No. And then when I leave, you're going to be persecuted. But don't worry. I'm going to use that in your favor for their favor so that you can have a power that operates in the worst of times. Like, I don't think people are incredible because they do good things when it's good. I think it, we call people heroes when they do big things when it's bad. And so Philip moves into this, uh, moves into Samaria. Now, you got to remember, Samar- Samaritans were not like a people. Um, looked highly upon by the Jews. What had happened is that the uh, the the an enemy force had come through and taken all the Jews, all the, the, the Jews that had all the money and all the high ranking and all the stuff and taken them out and left everybody else and then had moved in uh, a different culture. And so they had begun to intermarry and all this and in for the Jewish culture that was that was not okay. And and, and and you were with your tribe and that was and so they were look they looked at Samaritans as kind of a compromised people, as a people who weren't quite what and so they they just they really did have a prejudice against this group of people and there was something that they just they would not ever go they would go around that right they would they would take 114 instead of 183 because they didn't want to drive through something or they would take 635 instead of whatever because they want they would take the route even though it was longer because they didn't want to go through this place because they had such a hatred or a prejudice against this group of people and here's Philip walking into Samaria going hey what what's up? Jesus loves you. He died for you. And what, and I just got to understand, Philip walks into this place and begins to proclaim something that these people never, ever, 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 ever thought they would ever get to have. They never thought they would be a part of this amazing plan of God. They never thought they'd ever be invited into this incredible plan and story that God was writing. They thought they were done. They were finished. And here comes Philip, empowered by the Holy Spirit for a certain purpose. Here comes Philip walking in, sharing the good news with the Samaritans. Here's Philip, though. Philip is not a guy. I'm just going to tell you, we're all, we're, let's just be honest here. There are people that I know I'm supposed to love that I don't always love. I'm, I shouldn't be looking at my wife when I said that. <laughs> Maybe you're my buffer. I don't want to look at anybody else. See, that's uh... There are people that I don't always really want to serve, that I don't really want to always love. And that's why the Holy Spirit shows up. Because he gives you a love when you don't want it. He gives you a joy when things are frustrating. He gives you a peace when things seem a bit chaotic, right? He gives you a kindness when you really don't want to give them a handshake. You'd much rather give them something else, right? He gives you a self-control, not self-denial, a self-control. Because you can walk into situations where you maybe people think you shouldn't even go there. No, no, no. I've got self-control. I can go there and be a light in the dark because I know who I am and who Christ is is in me, and the Holy Spirit has given me more than just to say no. It's my ability to walk into any situation and say yes to the right thing, even when everybody else is saying yes to the wrong thing. I have a self-control. There's a love. The the Holy Spirit is there to give you something, and Philip was walking into that city, in my opinion. Philip is walking into that city with a love that came not from himself, but from the Holy Spirit. Something began to shift in him, began to be made in him that was purposeful, that he loved them the way no one else would. And I don't think it was because he all of a sudden decided he was going to I think the Holy Spirit began to work in his life because the fruit of the Spirit is love. And in between the whole gifts chapters of 1 Corinthians is a whole chapter on love, that the foundation of the gifts is how we love people. The whole purpose of what Holy Spirit does in us is based upon the love of Christ he wants to show through us. And then, then we get to that last line, and I love the last line. So there was great joy in that city. And, G- and Philip didn't just like say Jesus loves you. He began to set people free. Like, he began to do things that for people that they'd been struggling with or dealing with or walking through. And Philip, Philip did some things, again, not in his own power, but in the power of the Holy Spirit, began to do things for people that he, nobody had done before. And so there was great joy. See, I think sometimes we forget what the Bible says about our condition prior to Christ. The Bible says about our condition prior to Christ that we are dead in our sin. Just let the plane. Yeah, yeah. I saw all you guys look up, so I'm just gonna let you have your second. I'm just let you have it. Everybody good? We back? All right, sweet. So, <laughs> like I thought I was preaching okay, and then y'all left me for a second. <sighs> Some of you are like, man, I should have just looked up. I held it in. I was self-controlled. And I stayed on. I should have done it. I should have. Where was I? The Holy Spirit gives this guy this, this love and this purpose, and he, and, 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 and he had set people free. He had seen them walk out, and we don't always understand that what the Bible says, what Paul very clearly says, is that we were dead in our sin. Like, we don't have, there, we are sinful people, and there's nothing we can do in and of our own power to deal with anything of that. I, I, some of you have tried, Well, all of us have tried. Every single one of us have tried to shut some things down in our life, and we just can't. And even when we shut it down out here, we still got it raging in here. Come on now, don't be super Christian right now. I don't need that. We all have that, right? There are things we're thinking that nobody knows we're thinking. But we got it out here looking okay. We're like, we're good. Jesus came to deal with all of it. Jesus actually didn't start out here. That's what culture wants you to do. Start out here. Figure this out. Just get this. If you just got more money, if you just ate a certain way, if you, and all those things, hey, those, nothing's wrong with those things. But understand, none of those things actually deal with the condition of our eternal soul. The only thing that does that is Jesus. Because he paid a price for the sin, lived a perfect life, gave his life for us so that we could be redeemed in him. So we could call upon his name and identify with his life and death and resurrection. And so Philip walks in and begins to see people set free. And then there is a great joy. There's a great joy. Because good news results in great joy. That's what you and I. That's what you and I get to live in, in the Holy Spirit, is that, and in God, and in Christ, is that we get to live in a joy that is unspeakable, a joy that doesn't quite have enough words to describe it. The Bible actually says, "The joy of the Lord is our strength." See, like I come in here sometimes, and and y'all think that maybe I just. I'm just always happy up here. You know, like I, I just, I, at least I look like, no, like what I what I understand when I'm sitting here is that, you know, whatever my life has been like that week or that morning or, or, or whatever, or if I'm struggling with what we're going to preach or if I'm, wh- whatever it is, or the coffee wasn't as good as I liked, not the one they make, the one I made at home and I, you know, and my kids weren't good and all those kind of things. What I have to understand is in all, in light of all of those things, the greatest miracle has already happened for me. That my death in Christ has resulted in life in Christ and what he did for me has actually brought me into a place where I can live with purpose and hope and joy and I can walk into a city. It doesn't say that the church experienced the great joy. Sometimes we're satisfied with a Sunday morning and us having great joy in church. It doesn't say that. It says that the city had a great joy. Isn't that our hope, our desire, our wish, our, our vision, our hope is that we would see Jesus on every street and in every heart. That it wouldn't be some kind of idea that we would see him in church, but that we would see him in church, and then we would take him out of church, and we would be Holy Spirit-empowered people who take Jesus to every street and to every heart because there is a problem that we are created to solve. And so for you and I, man, I just, I want to encourage you. There is a joy that is found when we understand that Jesus did for us what we could not do for ourselves. And when we realize that, we can walk and we can worship and we can live with a joy that goes beyond our circumstance and our situation. But he does want to change our circumstance and our situation. I don't want you to get the idea that somehow, way, Philip just walked in and said, you should have joy and then live with all your stuff. No, he goes in and begins to see things change in the lives of people. One of the greatest things we can do as a church and as people who love Jesus is live our life so well that we change the situations and circumstances we find ourselves in. And it gives us a way and an p- opportunity to bring some life and the name of Jesus into that situation. If we can be those kind of people, I want to finish. I'm going to go ahead and do it. I was, I was going to shut off, but I'm, I'm not. I'm going to finish with one chapter later. One chapter later in Acts chapter nine, verse thirty-one, and we're going to finish with this verse. Come on, man. I just, I want to be a church that sees people walk away from conversations with us with great joy. I want to be a church that walks into this city and there's a great joy for people who thought they never were going to be a part of God's plan. People who thought they they've been told for so long that they were some kind of compromise. Some, somehow you don't belong in this family. You don't belong in this. No, man, the very first thing we should do before we talk about where they're at or what they've done or who they, we should talk about the fact that Jesus gave everything for all people, for every single person, every one of them. And if we aren't big enough to deal with the fact that everybody doesn't look like us, talk like us, even believe like us, then we have not quite yet accessed the love that comes as a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit can love all people regardless of what they're dealing with. Because the first Corinthians 13, the one we love to quote in marriages, what does it say? We keep no record of wrong and we are long suffering with people. Again, another word, I wish God would change. The Holy Spirit in us causes us to walk with people even when we're tired. Walk with people even when we're frustrated. Love people even when we feel like we're unloved. Continue to walk with because the Holy Spirit in us gives us a powerful purpose. Acts 9 says this in verse 31. Paul who had just at the beginning of Acts chapter 8 been persecuting the church and actually caused God's mission to happen on the earth without really understanding it in Acts chapter 9 he encounters Jesus on the road to Damascus. His name is changed. It's a series of events. Really cool kind of story. You should go read it. And in Acts chapter 9 verse 31 he's just begun to start preaching and he's trying to... This is the guy who was persecuting the church. Right? It's the guy who was terrorizing your families and your friends And now he's saying, I love you, and I want to help you. And you know, every one of them's going, whatever, dude. This is some spy thing. Like, you're trying to get in and find out where we're going to be. You're going to, you're going to, this is not a good undercover look for you. We know you. Like, you were supposed to not know you already. We know you. And Paul finally has a guy come alongside him begins to champion him, begins to believe in him, begins to go for it, and they begin to preach. And there's this verse, and I love this verse. It says this in Acts 9, verse 31. So the church throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria, remember, another few cities where Jesus had said they were going to go, had peace being built up and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the encouragement of the Holy Spirit, and it increased in numbers. It multiplied. I want to read it out of the Amplified Translation. That'll be on the screen as well. In Acts 9, verse 31, it says So the church throughout the whole of Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was edified, growing in wisdom, virtue, and piety, and walking in the respect and reverential fear of the Lord. That's first, that's step one. God, you're greater. God, you're amazing. I stand in all of you and all that I do. You are great. And in the consolation and exhortation, which ultimately means comfort and encouragement of the Holy Spirit, continued to increase and was multiplied. Listen, I believe our church in this city should continue to increase and be multiplied as we exalt God, as we lift up the name of Jesus, and as we are encouraged by the Holy Spirit in our life. We will begin to see this. And here's what I love about this. In fact, my, my series, my sermon title today is Multiplied Joy. Here's what I believe will happen. If we will set our hearts on God, put ourselves in His context, put ourselves in, in Him, and in that be encouraged by the Holy Spirit, we will begin to see our lives increase, our church increase, and in that happening, we will begin to see joy Increase because wherever the Holy Spirit goes, wherever the disciples went, wherever God is, there is freedom, and because of freedom, there is joy. And so this is not a numbers game. It's a joy game. It's, it's a, it's a life-multiplying game. It is a, I'm going to see rivers of living water flowing out of my life, and I'm praying, believing that we will be a church that sets our sights not just on joy in church, But joy in a city, joy on every street, joy on every avenue and every boulevard and every place we go, the places we don't want to go, the places we're okay going, the places we always go, that we would see him and him alone lifted up above every other name because there is a hope and a faith and a life and a grace that can, man, can change a city. But it starts with us. Do you have the joy? Do you have the Holy Spirit working in you? Point you to Jesus, to tie you into the whole, to, to the Father God, to, to to show you who God is. That's why He gave you the Holy Spirit, so you can know Him. It starts as we step towards Jesus.